Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't a fair-weather faith. Paul promoted the gospel while in his Roman imprisonment always. Concerning things, Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence. He wasn't wimpy. He didn't cower. He spoke boldly. Paul, being a man of the word, he wrote four epistles from his Roman imprisonment. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It was on board a ship headed toward Rome when disaster struck in the form of a torrential storm, and it was the Apostle Paul who stepped forward, giving both direction and hope to all the others on the ship. However, Paul was not the captain of the ship. He was not a sailor. In fact, he was not even a paying passenger. Paul was a prisoner, on his way to stand trial before Caesar. And it's through this crisis that Pastor Xavier draws out no less than five spiritual characteristics of the witness of Paul for today's Simple Truth study of Acts chapter 27 and 28. Let's listen. There are many situations and circumstances in our lives that will test us. And the test will be to try to have us compromise or to not trust God's word at all. So we must walk by faith, not by sight, not by emotions, being filled with the Holy Spirit continually to be obedient to God's word. It's where the rubber meets the road. And so I believe God would have us to pay heed to this voyage that gives us five notable characteristics manifested by Paul as evidence of being a spirit-filled man. Paul was a man of faith. Paul was a man of prayer. Paul was a man of action. Paul was a man of many friends. And Paul was a man of the word. It begins here in chapter 27, verse 1. Uh, Paul believed God's word that he was going to arrive at Rome. Paul's journey to Rome was the fulfillment of God's promise to Paul. Verse 1 says, And when it was uh, decided that we should sail to Italy... They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. You remember that in chapter 19 of Acts, verse 21, Jesus had revealed to Paul prior to leaving Ephesus that after Jerusalem, he was going to go to Rome. So the Lord had already prepared his hard way back there. The apostle Paul was entrusted, notice, to the centurion named Julius, along with other prisoners. And now we find him here in the storm in verse 14 to 17 of chapter 27. Now, the storm was of the worst kind. Things get turned around in the voyage. Who's really in command? (laughs) You see, words are cheap. Being a Christian inside walls is fine, but you've got to go in the world. You've got to raise your kids, you've got to go to work. That's where the rubber meets the road. And so Paul was a man of faith. He based his entire life on the scriptures. You understand? Now notice, secondly, we see Paul as a man of prayer. In chapter 27 here, verse 23, the apostle had an angel appear to him, perhaps, while praying. Often in the scriptures, you know, angels have appeared to men as they were praying. Here in chapter 27, verse 21 through 26, God gave to Paul... 
the assured hope by sending a heavenly messenger, an angel. And so then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now, we usually take this as, you know, I told you so not to. That's not what he's saying. He's not rubbing in their faces. What he's saying is, listen, what I said was true in preparation of what he's going to say so they believe what he's going to say as being true. Listen to what he says. There would be no loss of life among them, but only the ship. Whoa. He says, now, listen, you didn't hear me once. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Verse 23, the authority was from heaven. For there stood by me this night an angel of, the, of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Now, they've heard why Paul's going to Rome. And I'm sure Paul's already laid some gospel on him. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, things are happening. And all of a sudden, they're all without hope. And Paul is providing hope here. Verse 33 to 34, the apostle prayed next for their nourishment. And one of the things when men and people give up hope, they, you don't eat. You just get to the point, forget it. And so in verse 34, Paul said this was imperative for their survival. None would be lost, not even a hair from their heads. He gave them encouragement, evident by their eating here. The centurion, the prisoners, the helmsman, the owner of the ship, Luke, Aristarchus, Paul himself. All of a sudden, the command of the ship has been handed over to Paul <laughs> by God. Now notice, next we see the apostle prayed for the sick at Malta once they were shipwrecked. Go down to chapter 28, verse 8. Paul prayed for the father of Publius. One of the leading men there who had been very uh, kind to them, providing for them three days with fire and food and shelter. And uh, he was ill of a fever here with dysentery in verse 8. And then he healed others also with various diseases on the island. They heard about the, the healing of Publius' father, and they started coming to Paul. And, and, and God healed them all, causing the natives to reciprocate in kindness by meeting all of their needs and provisions. So there was this, this incredible relationship that God opened up through this shipwreck and the kindness and the healing and, and an opportunity to minister the gospel of Christ. Healing is God's sovereign doing. He gives us the provisions and the privilege to be able to pray for each other, to anoint each other with oil. And we've done this through the years and some of you have been healed, others of you have not. God is sovereign. There no, there's no magic on the oil or magic in the hands that are laid. We believe God in faith and we trust Him for it and, and He is sovereign. He knows why. Prayer is not to get our will done, but to align ourselves with the will of God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it according to His will. Where's his will? His will is found in the word of God. It's not hidden, ladies and gentlemen. And so you must be a man and a woman of the word, as we'll see our last point, if you're going to be a man and a woman of prayer. You know what you can pray for, what you should pray for, how you should pray. What kind of prayers does God answer? The conditions of prayer. Prayer is to keep man from losing heart. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Reverse that. 
Men lose heart because they do not pray. It's real simple. We dare not cease from praying for everything and everything at all times. Paul was a man of prayer, very evident. So necessary here on this journey. But thirdly, Paul was a man of action. He was practical. Look at chapter 27, verse 9. The apostle warned against danger without any intimidation. Now, we've implied this, but here is directly in verse 9. Paul used common knowledge they possess about the sea. And so he says, you know, there's going to be loss of life if you guys, if you sail, keep on sailing. There's dangers because the feast is already passed, talking about the Feast of um, Tabernacles. And then in verse 10, he perceived that the voyage would end with disaster and much loss, and not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. At this point, he's just making an observation. He's not prophesying. The um, season for sailing that was dangerous was between September 14th and November 11th, and all navigation ceased from November 11th to March 10th because it was very, very dangerous. And so common sense and common knowledge was you did not go out sailing or going out too far in the ocean in certain periods of time because it was dangerous. And unless it was a a, a dire need, you didn't risk it. And so Paul is merely giving common sense knowledge, not prophecy here. The apostle was very practical. He told him straight out. The apostle Paul had been shipwrecked often. Remember his catalog of of sufferings. He was shipwrecked in the the sea once or twice, a day and a night. I mean, that's scary to be out there. And he took command of the ship. Look at verse 19 of 27. Paul, Luke, and Aristarchus helped throw overboard the ship's furniture before the angel revealed their safety. They were practical before the revelation. I do what is common sense and needful unless God tells me otherwise. God told Moses, why do you cry to me? They're standing there before the Red Sea. Tell the children of Israel to go forward, Exodus 14, 15. There's a time to pray and a time to move. The problem is we're moving when we should be praying and we're praying when we should be moving. Now, if we can get that lined up right, we'll be a little more effective. Look at verse 21 through 25 of chapter 27. Paul encouraged the men as he affirmed their safety by divine revelation, as we've seen. In verse 21, he reminded them of his warning, as we've seen. Verse 22, he told them their lives would be spared, but not the ship. And then verse 23 and 24, he confirmed his arrival at Rome by an angel. And in 25, he declared his trust in God. All of this was an encouragement to the men. He's being that leader. He's being that one who really is taking command at this point. Being a man of action. Paul became their source of hope, prompting them to action. And that always happens when there's a crisis. If there's a leader, there's hope. If there's no leader in a crisis, all hope is lost. Verse 27 to 32 in 40 to 44, we see here Paul became the source of hope, prompting them to actions. In verse 27 and 28, the men hearing the shore break began to take sounding for the depths of the water. So there they are. They know they're going to be shipwrecked. They're waiting. And all of a sudden, they start hearing waves. 
Well, they start taking soundings, dropping lines, seeing how deep it is. Verse 29, fearing to strike some rocks, the men dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed. Verse 30 to 32, some sailors attempted to escape in the rowboat. They were stopped by the soldiers. They cut the rope so the skiff drifted off. As Paul said, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. If Jesus tells you you're going to be okay, I don't care if the waves are 80 feet high. You stay in the stinking boat. 40 to 44, they all worked together to beach the ship to get everyone safely on board. And as you know, they picked a spot there between two seas, meaning there's a sandbar there and the currents, and they landed, pointed it there, and they all went to shore, swimming on boards, a part of the ship, and not one was lost. Wow. Faith separate from works is like a lock without a key. A word without letters. It's impossible. James 2.14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, James is talking about works after being saved. When Paul speaks about faith in Romans, he's talking about faith before being saved so they don't contradict themselves. You understand this? Very, very clear. Once you're saved then God has work for you to do, very practical works. Before being saved, you can't do any works to be saved. That's the two different perspectives. So James is very practical here. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Paul was a man of action. Because he was spirit-filled, you understand? He's responding to prayer. He's a man of faith. He's a man of action. Notice, fourthly, Paul was a man of many friends. In Acts 27 here, verse 2, Paul had two friends with him from the start. Aristarchus, the Macedonian from Thessalonians, as you know. He had arrived with Paul at Jerusalem and possibly remained with him for the two years, though he's not registered or made mention. Um, here he is again. He's either going on his way home or assigned to Paul as a slave, it's believed. And you can follow his uh, trace from Acts 20, verse 4 to here. And uh, he's mentioned in Colossians 4.10. Now Luke is the other one, the Gentile physician. He most likely remained with Paul also for the two years imprisonment. Though he's not mentioned, he was probably gathering a lot of the material for the book of Acts during this time, very possibly. And um, he is believed to have been assigned to Paul as a physician to travel to Rome. Now, notice in verse 3 of uh, chapter 27, Paul spent time in Sidon with friends also. Uh, the centurion treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty, and centurions are always presented in a good light in the Gospels with Jesus and uh, Cornelius we've seen, and here we have it again. Uh, the friends of Paul cared for his needs, it says in verse 3 there. So water, uh, food, and clothing, whatever it may be. Paul had friends all over him. You just uh, read his letters, you can't uh, help see that. In verse 15, Paul was escorted by the Christian Jews, brethren, to Rome. They came out to meet him, and they heard he landed. Some heard right there in verse 15 at the end there, his arrival, and they came to Apiforum to meet Paul, a distance about 43 miles from Rome. They had never seen Paul. This was Paul's first time in Rome. And so the apostle Paul thanked God, and he took courage. 
Paul recognized the faithfulness of God to his word. Look at verse 16. Paul was handed over to the centurion Julius, or by the centurion Julius to the praetorium guard, with all the legal paperwork. He's shackled to the soldier as he makes his last leg of the trip to Rome. Paul was visited by many of his own there in his house at Rome. More friends. In chapter 28 here, verse 30, Paul resided for two years in his own rented house, receiving all. Paul had a soldier chained to him throughout the two years, as you know. That soldier heard, listened, conversed, everything. Can you imagine that? As he's witnessing, giving policy for the churches, everything else. I mean, incredible. And these guys were rotated, and that's why Paul writes to the Philippians, Philippians 1.13. He says, uh, the Praetorian guard says, hi. Many of them come to Christ. So, I mean, God just used Paul tremendously. And I'm sure Paul had some very personal conversation with some of these guys. But all we have to do is look at the letters of Paul, especially uh, Romans, the last chapter. There's over uh, 28 names that he personally mentions. I went out to find a friend, one said, but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. It is easy to become superficial in our society, the fast pace. And I think that Christians need to live in priorities the more evil the day gets. Proverbs 79 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Are you one who can be trusted? Are you the one that has the serpent behind the ivory cage under control? Are you a person who is a friend? Are you a giver or just a taker? A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs 18.24 says. Faith for the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful, Proverbs 26.6. If you're a friend, then you confront your friend that you love when he's wrong, when he's going the wrong way. You don't just let him alone. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, Proverbs 27, 17. And you walk through life, pressing forward, becoming more like Christ, becoming more faithful. Paul was a man of many friends. The fifth and last, Paul was a man of the word. Notice in chapter 28, verse 23. Paul preached the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was the rule of God over individuals' hearts. Very important. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in the heart of men. If you believe that Christ died for you and rose from the dead, and you're believing and trusting Him and walking with Him, the kingdom of God is in you, and you're part of the kingdom. Still in 23 there, at the end there, Paul persuaded people concerning Jesus, that he was... Uh, to save his people from their sins. Uh, it's very clear, Matthew one twenty one, That he was Yahweh's son, born of a virgin, God in the flesh, Matthew one twenty two and 23. He's dealing with the Jews. That he was the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, as Peter declared in Matthew 6.16 in Caesarea Philippi, by the revelation of the Father. Flesh and flesh is not revealed to you, but my Father in heaven. 
Paul proclaimed it from the Old Testament, the law, the first five books known as the Torah, the prophets, God's special and detailed revelation about his son. The duration was from morning till evening. He was constantly ministering the gospel. Notice Paul promoted the gospel while in his Roman imprisonment always. Paul preached the kingdom of God and teaching the things very specific which concern the Lord Jesus in verse 30. Concerning things, Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence. He wasn't wimpy. He didn't cower. He spoke boldly. And Paul ministered for two years, no one forbidding him, verse 31 says. Very important. God had opened a door. God was not through with Paul. And when God is through, then the door is closed. Paul understood this. Paul, being a man of the word, he wrote four epistles from his Roman imprisonment. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. Four epistles known as the prison epistles. In France, there once lived a poor blind girl who um, obtained a gospel of Mark in raised letters, and she learned to read it by her fingertips as you read Braille. But the more she did it, the more her fingertips became very callous. And thinking she would be able to better her sensitivity, she cut the tip of her fingertips off like that, thinking she would be able to read it and sense it better. But to her amazement, she had destroyed the ability to do that. And so, as that night, she grabbed the the text and, and, and pressed it to her lips and she said, farewell, farewell, sweet word of my heavenly father. And to her surprise, her lips, more delicate than her fingers, discerned the form of the letters. All night, she perused with her lips the word of God and overflowed with joy at this new acquisition. How do you view God's word, ladies and gentlemen? Do you realize how valuable the word of God is to you what it's done for you, what it gives to you. The Word of God is just an amazing thing. Do you believe the Bible is God's inerrant, infallible Word? 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16 and 17. Probable for instruction, correction, and righteousness, that you may be thoroughly furnished into all good works. Do you believe the men of old spoke as they were carried along by the Spirit of God, not speaking of their own impulse or origin as Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, do you believe that? Or do you believe this is just a book like any other book? This is a supreme authority, inerrant, infallible. Paul was a man of the word. Man of the word. And so what a fitting conclusion to the book of Acts, which really is no conclusion at all, because the book of Acts continues. (laughs) The church is still here. So these principles are very important. These characteristics here... Five notable characteristics seen in Paul during this voyage to Rome. Evidence of being a spirit-filled man. He was a man of faith. He was a man of prayer. A man of action. A man of many friends. A man of the Word. Every one of those are applicable to us and needful for us. If we're going to make a difference in this world, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Especially the darker the day gets. You will be in storms. You will be overwhelmed. The circumstances will tend to want to contradict the word of God. Then you must be a man, a woman filled with the spirit of God. Faith, prayer, 
action, surrounded by friends, and saturated in the Word of God. Pastor Xavier Reese, with five simple truths surfacing from the witness of Paul as he survives the shipwreck as told in the 27th and 28th chapters of the book of Acts. And with just enough time before we close for today, let me mention that copies of today's study titled Spiritual Characteristics of Paul are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Spiritual Characteristics of Paul, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com